Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the Authors on Fire podcast. I am Pat Rulo, here today with a Firebird Book Award winning author to share with you. She is Cherry Strange, and her winning book is titled, Can You See Me Now? Good News for Lonely, Left Out, and Less Than. Cherry has helped over 700,000 women redefine their worth through her writing, speaking, and highly popular version Bible plans. She is an author, speaker, and visionary of She Yearns Ministries. She's also the author of Life Principles for Living Out the Greatest Commandment. Cherry holds a PhD from Baylor University and lives in Houston with her husband, Chad, and their eight children. So much to find out, so let's get rolling. Welcome to the network, Cherry. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, it's it's a pleasure to have you, and congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you. It was, it was an awesome opportunity, and um, it's just my pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I always feel so excited when it's time to share the news. We're supposed to do it on the 20th. And I think every quarter, I always do it on the 19th because I feel like a kid on Christmas. I just like, I can't <laughs> wait. too excited. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so I'm just as excited as everybody else. That's great. Uh, All righty. Let's talk about your book, the title, Can You See Me Now? Good News for Lonely, Left Out, and Less Than. What a title. Let's talk about that. Why did you write this book? And then we'll dig into it. You know, the initial reason I wrote it was it just lies in my own history. This is sort of my story in the beginning of the book, a place of pain and and how God delivered me through it while my circumstances didn't change. So quickly I noticed that the same familiar sort of pain point, they were showing, I have six daughters, and they were showing up in the lives of my daughters at different ages. And and my girls, they come from three different continents. So I, I knew it was more universal than than I understood at the time. So I I originally sort of shaped it as letters to my daughters when they turned 16. I was giving them about 16 essays on their 16th birthday. And so that's kind of how it started. But I thought it was a private problem, and I just wanted to encourage my own. But it wasn't before long that I understood that it's it's a widespread uh, phenomenon. No longer was it just me and my daughters, but it's half the population today. Half the population reports being lonely, so much so that the CDC has, has categorized it to be um, as a detriment to your health as diabetes and substance abuse. That is a huge issue. So I, I think the timing of it is really good. And um, I just think that the majority, and it's not what I think alone, it's I felt this way, and I looked more into it with the research and, and what people were really experiencing, that the majority of people feel left out of, of some situation, and they have a familiar experience with all of these all of these issues, And but we don't know what to do about it. And so this book gives a plan that's biblical, it's, it's based in Scripture, and we walk through a book together, and it and allows you to move from point A to point B, which took me, you know... <laughs> 15 years. You know, I'm trying to save people some time and some misstep with the book. So that's that's the structure of it. And that's uh, the reason behind it. Oh, my. So much just in that short answer to, to kind of unpack here. First of all, I'm thinking how, as you say, your pain point, obviously, you experienced this and felt this. Mm-hmm. And here it was being manifested in these daughters who I'm sure you didn't have a conversation about it to t- transfer that to them, as you said, 
most people feel that. And it was just interesting that you saw that in your children um, mm-hmm. and recognized that. And as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about everybody feels left out. I mean, even if you're the most popular person or, you know, if you're the person in charge, there's always those moments that you could be with you know, either a crowd of people or just three people. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, wow, I, maybe I don't belong here, or maybe my voice isn't being heard, or maybe it's not good enough, or I'm not good enough. I just think mm-hmm. everybody feels this way. Yes, at one time or another. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some personalities and life experience capitalizes on those feelings, and so it, I think it appears more often, more frequently, more more deeper mm-hmm. in some women than others. Um, who literally feel invisible, mm-hmm. and, and that could be for a, very, a variety of reasons that that uh, come into play. But you're right; it's a common experience. And every time um, I have the book with me, uh, you know, and someone someone's looking at it, they just look at the cover and they read it, and they're and you can see on their face mm-hmm. the reaction. Oh, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Lots to go over here. Let's let's dig into the book then. So give us some ideas of what our uh, listeners will find when they get a copy of your book. All right. It's, it's written in a doable chunks. Um, I write for uh, the Bible app U version, which is also doable chunks and devotional. And that's kind of my sweet spot. And so I like to convey one idea with an action point, you know, at the end of the day. It's it's longer than a, a devotional, but it's short enough where a busy woman, I mean, I have eight kids, I'm busy, so I understand where you're coming from. You want to get through it, but you can't sit down and read four chapters, you know, and so it's in a doable chunk, but what it begins with sort of my story and morphs into, because what happens is as you read it, and, and I'm sure you have done this with books that you've read, when you read something that you believe is a common experience that you have had, and you begin to think about the things that this person has gone through, and in time, over pages, uh, that changes where the focus turns from me to the reader, you know, because I'm, I'm helping them navigate this space and bring out some things so that they can relate to it and experience, I mean, because what happened to me was complete transformation. I went through this process, but it took like 15 years. You know, well, she doesn't have 15 years. <laughs> you know, I want to help her get through it much, much, much faster and point her in the right direction. And so that's the, the aim of the book and to make it very practical, very personal. How can you make certain changes uh, that you may never have thought about or maybe things I'm just reminding you of? Mm-hmm. But what, what the, what the, what the Bible teaches us is that we are not made to be hidden in the corner. I mean, uh, Jesus says, you are like a, a city on a hill. You are like a light that needs to give light to the entire room and not be hidden. And so I, as I've found these things, as I've made these discoveries and applied them to my own life, what does that look like? If I'm supposed to be a light when I'm trying to hang onto the wallpaper, mm-hmm. that's not helping anyone. And, and that's not beneficial to me either. So I think one of the things that we, we look at is what's driving this? Why do we walk into a room and feel this way? And so we, we, we hit those points first. And generally, it's, it, it, it resolves around who we believe God sees we are, who we are in relationship to Him. So we, we look at that first, and then we go through an example, basically through the rest of the book, 
Because they're, what I want them to understand is your circumstances may not change. And that's okay. You may still feel left out. You may be put in situations where you are ignored. Someone may not treat you very well. And they may be very close to you. And it happens again and again. And we don't know what to do about it. And so what this book does, it helps give you some practical suggestions and ideas and a way to walk that out so that even if that doesn't change, you can. And so uh, the one person that uh, is in the Bible that I, I really resonated with uh, for this topic is James, the half-brother of Jesus, because, you know, history tells us that he became the leader of the, the church in Jerusalem. He did not leave. He stayed there. He didn't believe in the beginning. He didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. But after Jesus was resurrected, everything for him changed. His perspective changed, how he viewed himself and how he viewed everything. Everything changed. And from that moment, we see him do exactly this. He becomes someone on the periphery who, you know, is not making a difference because he doesn't believe Jesus to becoming the leader, the one who, the one who is seen, you know, and so, and he, and he makes a, a huge impact doing that just by becoming the person God has called him to be where he has called him to live. And that's, that's our, that's our calling. I mean, we don't have to leave. We, we I'm a mom of eight. I am, I am doing the mom thing a lot, <laughs> you know, and, but that is, that's exactly where God's called me. So how can I get away from the shadows and how can I uh, move away from uh, just hiding, you know, who God has made me to be into being um, a reflection of his glory and who he is to the people around me. That's, that's where I'm hoping to take the, the individual. There's also a plan in the back that kind of goes along with it because um, there's basically one, one idea, one action point with each day. But then at the back, there's a plan that they can walk through during the book or they can do it afterwards. I just, want, I just didn't want to leave someone after the last page is read, because that, that's not always helpful. Sometimes you need a little bit more coaching to make it real in your own life. And so that, that has been provided for. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll get to utilize it and really see some change. Mm-hmm. Oh my, this is just amazing. You know, your reference to James is, is a good one in that, that actually gives somebody an example or a, and, or a blueprint. Yeah, because my, my heart is, is, studying the Bible, that that was what I did first. And I understand just from experience and working with, you know, hundreds of women that the Bible is what God uses most of the time to change us. It's the Word of God alive in our in our hearts and our minds that move us to become more like Jesus. And if we see it in Scripture, they're going to leave this book not only with some great ideas and ways to move from point A to point B, they're going to have studied the book. And I, I just can't, I, can, I just can't see what would be more beneficial in a process like this because it's so biblically based. And, you know, you don't, you don't realize it until you get into it. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's totally relate, you know, to his experience and what he's teaching us through the, the book of the Bible. So is there any particular scripture verse that resonates with you that you wanted to share? Yeah, and I think for this book, this one was really powerful to me because I think it's it's counterintuitive to believe that we are supposed to be seen. You know, we, we get these ideas that 
that we should not be heard and we should just blend in and um, that God has not called us to be, you know, in the center of the stage. Well, that's that's right. It's more like John the Baptist who said, you know, when, when his disciples came to him, they were upset because these people were starting to follow this other guy, Jesus, and they were kind of upset about that and went to John the Baptist, and, and he, his reply is exactly the attitude we need. He must become greater. I must become lesser. But John the Baptist was clearly, you know, front and center in, in the ministry God had called him to do. He was not hiding, not, not at all. And James sort of does the same thing, you know, demonstrating for us how, how does Jesus become center of our life and emanate through our presence and our words and our attitude. That's really the goal. So, um, in, in, um, in Isaiah, uh, there is this passage that, that, um, God is speaking about the Messiah that it's come. He's speaking about Jesus and what Jesus is going to do. And it says, in a favorable time, I have answered you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And I will keep watch over you and give you for a covenant of the people. God's going to give Jesus as a covenant to restore the land from its present state of ruin and to apportion and give as inheritance the the deserted hereditary lands. Okay, this is the part that really got me. Saying to those who are bound and captured, go forth. And to those who are in spiritual darkness, show yourself. And and that really resonated with me because that's not what I thought I was called to do. I, you know, I, I was, I'm a shy, small, you know, timid kind of person and going and showing, that was not exactly what I had in my mind. But this is what we see him call people to do. It's not leaving your situation necessarily. It's just becoming a, a beacon as to who Jesus is and what he's done in your life that makes all the difference. You know, I bet you have surprised yourself. <laughs> if you look back on who you were to what you're doing today, it's got to be a surprise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, this right now, I, I, I've stepped out to the car because I'm in the middle of vacation Bible school, and um, I'm, I'm teaching all of the songs, all of the motions by myself on the stage in front of hundreds of kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, that's radically different than anything I would have done before. You know, and, and, it, and it's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying looky, look at me, but they need to learn it. They need to do it in a worshipful way. I mean, this is just where God's called me to serve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just so bizarre because I am a back row girl. I am comfortable on the sides. But God has not called me to that mm-hmm. in so many ways. He's called me out. And this is what mine looks like. But he's called all of us out. You know, this isn't say, well, just for preachers and speakers and people on the front you know, to be a light. No, it's every, every believer in Christ has this responsibility and this call on their life. It is significant. And I just, I'm just prayerful and hopeful that women will begin to embrace it. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if a, a population of Christian women began to go and show who Jesus is in their life? That would be amazing. What kind of feedback have you received from folks who are not familiar with the Bible, where where these verses are going to be a first time for them? You know, so we go kind of slow, and I I highlight um, the basics, because if we don't have, most people, even if they've been in the church all their life, they don't necessarily know the basics. 
you know, for years, that, that's what happened to me. I had, I, I had been in church all my life, but by the time I was an adult, I had some very unhealthy and completely wrong understandings of how, who God was and how he saw me. For, for instance, you know, there's a, the song that we learn um, as, as children often, uh, Jesus loves little children, all the children of the world, red, yellow, black, and white, Jesus loves the children of the world. Well, I, I, that's how I saw God. He's this big, huge being, and, I mean, he loves me because he has to, because he loves all the children of the world, you know, but not specifically. I mean, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know my quirks and my inter- in, in intimacy uh, longings or anything like that. He doesn't know that about me, or, and he's not interested. So I think a person who's coming from the outside would relate to that. You know, if you don't, if you don't know who God is, you're in no better or worse place than I was, <laughs> you know, because I was, I had so many misconstrued notions of who he was. And so if you don't know that he sees you and if you don't know that he hears you and that he wants to know you and that you are known by him, then, um, you're going to struggle with these issues. And a person who is not familiar with the Bible is, is brought into contact with these particular passages from women that we would, you know, we would not even include in the group. That's so, that's what's so, uh, so curious to me about how God does this for, for a population that was not valued in, during those times. He specifically includes different stories, different, um, personalities, that he he pursues he pursues the one in the corner he pursues the one that's rejected and and ignored or discarded and so we pull those things out so a person who's not familiar with the bible is not going to be overwhelmed but they're going to see the important things that god uh what, what god conveys to a person who comes from that um orientation who needs to know he sees them he knows them and he hears them and wants to know them. You mentioned something previously about those who prefer that you remain quiet. Thinking of so many people who I've spoken with, who I know personally, who live in, you might even call it an abusive situation where whoever they are living with prefers, like you say, the naysayers <laughs> who prefer that they remain quiet. This just magnifies the difficulty in trying to break through. It puts it in a little bit of a different category. What words do you have for someone who might be finding themselves in that situation? How can they use your book, your words to to break through? Not only that they feel uh, more confident and not left out, but what do they do with this person or these people that they're living with? How mm-hmm. do you how do you get through that? You know, every situation like that is gonna is gonna be different. You know, the, the advice would be different. And also, if you're talking about an abusive situation, that I'm not a counselor. You know, but they would need to seek professional help um, in order to to navigate those spaces. But if you're talking like my situation, I would not consider it abusive. But um, I was in a situation for years where I just was not included in conversations. I wasn't good enough. My my spouse was like the man who, I mean, he didn't even have to graduate from high school. He just went straight to college, was number one student in college, number one student in med school, you know, number one everything. And then there was me. <laughs> so, you know, then there was me. And that's, that's honestly how... Uh, our conversations went when we went to meet people or we were in a group 
even family and friends for, for years. I was just, I was just part of the Mr. Perfect package and I was not even a real person. And that's kind of what brought me to, uh, desperate times. You know, I, there's a point where you come, if you're, if you're that person that you, what you want, you want out of your life. And, uh, that's where I was. I, I didn't want to go anywhere. I mean, I, I didn't want to leave my family or anything like that, but I wanted out so badly emotionally. Um, I thought the problem was me. And, and so what do you do? I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what else to do. And so my best advice is even though I didn't understand who God was really, I mean, I was a Christian. I, I mean, that, that I had as a child, but in terms of an everyday helping me through things, knowing that I'm valued and significant, even though I'm treated as if I'm not, I was just, I just wanted to be a person. I mean, I'm not asking to compete with. I just wanted to be seen as a regular individual who had worth. And so um, what I would say to that person is um, seek the Lord. And, and it doesn't matter how, if, if you even believe it yet, but seek him because he is faithful and he will make a way to help you know how much he loves you and how much he um, values you as a person, I just, I just didn't know. And, and it wasn't until I began to, to read. I mean, I'm talking not one time. I mean, for me, I'm a slow learner. It, I, I, it took me nine years, nine years of failure to get through the Bible, to read all those things. But in those nine years of failure, I, I call it a failing forward. I, I would ask women to, I don't like to fail. I'm sort of a perfectionist and I like to do it right the first time. That doesn't happen. You know, and, and so what I encourage people to do is be willing to fail, but you're failing forward. Make sure you're going in a forward direction. Let's say you set a goal and, you know, you're, you you don't meet it. That's okay. You're, you're a little bit further down the road. And so that's what it was like for me. It was very slow, um, not even methodical progress where I, I ended up going from this, this very devastating place. Um, but understand, it's not like people started treating me differently. It's just that I began to be, redefine who I was. And so even if someone doesn't treat you well, it doesn't impact who you are. God has made you a certain way, and they don't have to agree. But you are okay. You are more than okay. He, what what I, we're aiming for is spiritual resilience so that even though your situation, and I'm not talking about a truly abusive situation. I'm talking about something where over and over again, you feel like you just don't matter, that what you bring to the table is not significant. You know, there's there's other things, too. So one, one I would say, uh, don't stop seeking and uh, allow God to fill those empty places. And and really, at the beginning, you're just praying that. You're just praying, God, fill the, fill the empty places that, that I'm filling with the wrong things. You know, help me see what I'm trying to find satisfaction in that's never going to work. You know, and he does that work. But another thing that we do practically is uh, there's this theory, and I believe Facebook uses it because they only let us see like 150 people. <laughs> so there's this theory um, that we can only keep about 150 relationships intact um, for, for each individual. We can only handle about 150 of them. And so the, the and if you picture it like a target, like you're aiming arrows at a target, if you look at the bullseye, inside the bullseye, there's about uh, two to five people in that 
bullseye that you pull in really close. These would be a spouse or family member, you know, something like that. Uh, these are your very closest people. They know all your dirt, okay? And then there's a the ring that's outside of that where there's about 15 people in that. And, and those are maybe your, your close friends, right? And they're not, they're more than acquaintances, but, um, they don't know all your dirt, you know? And then there's a ring that goes outside of that that has a, a broader number of people. And that's where your acquaintances are and, uh, your coworkers, people you might do things with at church, but they're not on the inside. And then there's everybody else. Okay. Uh, the, these are the people you would not ask to take your cousin to the airport. <laughs> you don't know them well enough to do that. But, but what I found is that I tend to bring people in closer than they should be. So I might view someone, and this I think leads to a lot of hurt feelings with, with women in particular, because we're all about relationships, that we view someone as maybe in an inner circle and they're not really there. They really, they really aren't. And we've brought them in too close and therefore we get hurt. So if we will adjust, we will pray through that and, and say, Lord, I'm not smart enough to figure out <laughs> who you want me in close relationship with, you know, what are the, who are the people that you want me to surround myself with and invest in? That kind of thing. Because too often we look at this girl over here and we think, yeah, that's the person I want to be friends with. And, and really she has no business being in our inner circle. That was, that's not uh, the person God would have us uh, be with. And so I think there, there's some very practical things in the book so that they can navigate through that space. But I think that's the main idea is that there are things that we do that we're not thinking about that maybe we don't understand that we are doing them that cause us to experience more pain and more rejection um, and being left out when there really may not be any reason for that. I mean, God, God wants us in relationship with people. He wants us in healthy relationships. And what we need to be uh, ready to do is be willing and able to receive those relationships, participate in them, not holding off, on, you know, somewhere on the corner, not wanting to engage, put our phones down, you know, and truly build the relationships um, that God would call us to build. And that that's really what I've seen in, in the women that I've worked with, but my, my own daughters, you know, we have this talk regularly because I'm, I stuff teenagers in the home. You know, I, I'm not sure that person is going to be a long-term, you know, friend. I'm not sure they're in it for the long haul. So you might reevaluate, you know, how much time you spend with them, those kind of things. I just think that we don't always make the best decisions on our own. And this framework kind of helps me um, categorize relationships in a way I had never done before. And it's really been a helpful visual for me. So, um, and that's what I found from other people. They, they really think, oh, well, these practical tips, I can do these, you know, I can do things like that. And so I think that that's, that's one of the areas that I've seen the most feedback from. So mm -hmm. just the practical aspects of it. Oh, absolutely. I love that image. Yes, the bullseye. This is awesome. Thank you for bringing that up. That's, this is just almost worth its weight in gold here. Um, I know that just that image and that thought is going to help so many people. And the fact that you use the words failing forward, it's okay to fail. As long as we're failing in the right direction, you know, we're always learning and we're always going to be failing. And just as long right. as we're failing forward. All righty. Boy, a couple other things I wanted to mention. Well, first of all, you have other books, so this is not your solo book, so folks can uh, right. find out a whole lot more, and also to follow you on Instagram, because your Instagram posts are so inspiring. 
I didn't used to like Instagram mm-hmm. because I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, but I sort of found my, my niche. I like to do the digital art that, that people can download and, um, it's, and do the encouragement with it. So that those have just capitalized on two of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it gives me the opportunity to use that as an outlet. It's beneficial. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I agree with you 100%. I look forward to it. So I hope folks head over there. So with that in mind, you gave us website, sheyearns.com. Mm-hmm. Any other places folks should go to find out more about you or to get copies of your books? Well, all the books are going to be um, at distributors, you know, Amazon, of course. They can also get it at my website at the sheyearns.com. I'm also on Facebook. It's just my name, mm-hmm. you know, Cherry Strange. U version. I am on U version. Okay. I have about 25, 26 reading plans that are free on the U version Bible app. So that's Bible.com if you do it on your uh, desktop, but it's on, it's an app that you can download for free and it's got, you know, all kinds of versions of the Bible, but it also offers lots and lots of devotionals that are various days. Some are five days, some are three days, some are 21 days, some are 365 days, but I've done about 25. Mm-hmm. So you can download that and um, to your phone, you know, the app to your phone, right. and get those anytime you want. All right. That's you version. Yes. Okay. All right. Anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? I know. I don't think so. <laughs> we covered quite a lot. What's next? Yeah, we did. What's next? What are you working on now? You know, right now, I've kind of turned my attention to my website, uh, you know, a lot of author websites are about me, 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 me. Look at me. <laughs> come, and, come and get my resources. And, and I have never, I've never had that vision for myself. I really want my, the, the ministry that I'm involved in to turn into more of a, a not a solo thing, but uh, to bring in some other people and expand the resources so that when someone comes to the website or to, you know, the following on social, that they, can leave with a resource, you know, that they can benefit somewhat from it so that it's, it's kind of what you're doing on your own website where, where I found you, mm-hmm. um, where you're making it, making things available to where they're beneficial to your audience. And so that I'm honestly turning my attention to that for the next six months mm-hmm. before I pick up another writing project. There you go. No, I think that makes sense. Anytime, you know, this, anytime you can do something to give back, pay it forward, help somebody else. It comes back just in the feel good aspect of it, if nothing else. So, um, right. And that to me is what life is all about. All righty. We are speaking with Cherry Strange and the book is titled, Can You See Me Now? Good news for lonely, left out and less than. The website is sheyearns.com. And boy, did you jam pack our conversation today. I mean, I feel inspired and I know that you're going to help so many people. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing you and for all that you do to help people, especially women. Thanks for your own ministry. I'm so happy to have found you and the benefits that you're giving authors is is really um, encouraging. Well, thank you. Come back again. I'd love to speak with you more often. Very strange. Thanks so much.